Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Family, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use. They will be able to use this word and make their lives better. God, not years from now, not months from now, not weeks from now, not even days from now. They will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible for me and say this with me, say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, I, I admittedly am going to put a lot of information your way today. We're coming to the close of another year, and I do not want to miss this year without providing you everything that I want to provide you, what I believe God wants me to provide to you concerning the Master's Mind series, or the master, God's Mastermind, however we say that. Before we do, though, before I toss all that on you, so go ahead and get yourself ready. Get your peppermints locked and loaded. Whatever you got, sneak them Cheez-Its out. You know, I don't know how, whatever you got, go ahead and get ready. But I have a, I have a quick Smith story for you. Now, before you are my two granddaughters, and our granddaughters are the age of four and seven. We also have a baby boy, and they recently moved out of state. And that just to give you, give you an idea of some of the fieriness that they got. Well, they recently moved out of state, but this past week, they were here for a quick trip, like three or four days. And we got an opportunity to have the two girls stay with grandma and grandpa for two nights. So you know I'm overjoyed with that. But here's the, here's the deal. One, one morning, they wake up. And you know how kids are. They usually wake up way before grown folk want to get up. That's just how they do. It, they're programmed that way. I don't know why. There's something God put in there, but doggone it, they do that kind of thing. Here we go. They, they come in, and they come in, and it's, and it's early. Everybody say early. early. It's early. Now, it's, it's not so early that you can't see. But it's earlier than if you got up when, you know, the sun is all the way out. So the light coming through the window and everything kind of give you a good thing you can see when you walk around. So they come in and Greta has gotten out of the bed for a moment. So they pile in the bed with grandpa. And they're wide awake. They slept for a good eight hours. They won't talk, which is fine. I'm an early riser. I just, I just hadn't rose up early that day. And, and, and we're, we're talking. And then the younger one, Morel, see right there, the one on the left, the, the, yeah, with the, the, right, the right hand, I guess that's what it is, on the, with the hip picture stuck out like she's on Facebook. This right here is, is she, she, she climbs over towards me, and she kind of sits down, and she puts her hand on, on, on my chest, and she says, Grandpa. I go, yeah. She says, we need to turn on some light in here. <laughs> I said, well, baby, I, I think it's, it's, it's good. We have, we have light enough, because the light was coming through the, the sliding glass door, and you could, you know, it was dim, but you could see. I was like, I think we have enough, enough light. And then she says, well, Grandpa, I can't see your face. <laughs> oh, it gets better. <laughs> so, you know, in my mind, I'm like, 
you see how she fair skinned, like, oh, she trying to call a granddaddy dark on the slot. But that's cool. <laughs> you know, they mine. So I didn't want to just go ahead and then she came in all happy and everything. So what I did was I tried to skirt the issue by I gently take, take my hand, I smile at her and put my hand on the side of her face like this. And I said, baby, I said, Granddad, granddaddy can see your face. You're so pretty. I touched her nose. I said, granddaddy can see your nose. I took my hand. I put it on her head. I said, granddaddy can see your hat, your head. And then she stops me abruptly. She says, oh, wait, granddaddy. I can see your teeth. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's get in this. <laughs> Loved ones, let's see this next image. We're going to pick up where we left off. <laughs> Here's where we were last time. <laughs> oh, you got to love them. Each of us, each of us reside in one of four quadrants, or we exist in the midst of one of four extremes as it relates to our flesh and our spirit. We've discussed all of them. The one we were locked in on was the one I call extreme number three, counting counterclockwise from the bottom up. And that was the one where you are feeding your flesh and you are feeding your spirit. We call that one feed, feed, or you can call it strong, strong. The, the, the bottom line of that one is if you are there, what you are doing is you are residing between two opinions. You are somehow trying to straddle the fence. You're trying to straddle the fence between your relationship with God and satisfying the dictates of your flesh. The problem is for us as quote unquote believers, I throw my air quotes up because believers could be a lot of different things for a lot of different folks. But believers, listen, God don't do fence straddling. There's no fence straddling with God. You are either on team God. That means you are all in or you're not. That bad boy right there, that particular extreme that thing is sneaky and toxic to the believer. Why is that? Well, because for, from a spiritual perspective, when you're here, when you're trying to reside between two opinions, when you're trying to straddle the fence, you think you're okay spiritually, but you're not. You think that you are operating on a certain high level of the faith, when actually on a day-to-day -day basis, you operate much lower than that. Hey, you think you're holier than you really living. When you're trying to exist in that extreme right there, your, your perception of yourself is askew. Although, although you are feeding good spiritual stuff to your spirit, you not your auntie, you, not your neighbor, you. Even though you want to blame it on whatever you watch on the internet, you're in charge of that, so you, you are, gosh, and it may be that you don't know it, but you are in some form or fashion, you're satisfying the dictates of your flesh. And when you do that, guess what? That concludes that your flesh is stronger than you realize. Growing your flesh takes less input than you might think. When we're talking about growing our flesh, those little tidbits of things that we provide our flesh as nutrients, those things that we think, ah, oh, that's no big deal, or maybe everybody's doing Those little things that you feed your flesh with, that's like inserting leaven or a yeast in dough. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 5 about that. In the King James Version, Paul says this simply. 
a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The voice translation of the Bible, that same chapter beginning in verse 7, who has impeded your progress and kept you from obeying the truth? You are off to such a good start. I know for certain the pressure isn't coming from God. He keeps calling you to the truth. You know what they say. Just a little yeast causes all the dough to rise. So even the slightest detour from the truth will take you to a destination you do not desire. Loved ones, the little things that we feed our flesh can be the very things that's keeping our flesh alive, keeping that thing growing and keeping that thing strong. When you position yourself to pursue God, but at the same time, you refuse for whatever reason to let go of those habits and those desires to feed the flesh, what you are attempting to do is straddle the fence. Honestly, the time has come. The time has come, people, for you to pick that foot up off the devil dirt, swing that leg back over the side of his fence. That's his fence. Put both feet on God's side. Hey, look at this. Let go of the fence and then start putting some distance between you and the fence. The time has come for you to decide. Here's what Elijah said in 1 Kings. Elijah said these words to the folks around. He said, this is 1 Kings 18, verse 21, easy to read version. Elijah came to all the people and said, you must decide what you're going to do. How long will you keep jumping from one side to the other? Let's put a pause right there. How long are you going to keep going from, from save to the dirt? How long are you going to keep going from doing what God say do to doing what your flesh want to do? How long are you going to keep playing double dutch between the world and God? He says this. How long will you keep jumping from one side to the other? If the Lord is the true God, follow him. If Baal is the true God, then follow him. The people said what? Nothing. Elijah asked these people a question and then he threw them out what seems like a pretty simple piece of instruction. And the Bible says the people said nothing. In other words, they had no immediate response to what this man was asking of them. My prayer is that your response to my words is different. I want you to make your affiliation singular and clear. And I hope that your choice is to choose God. When you look at what we have right here, Elijah led in by asking these folks a question, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same. The question I have that I'm going to present to you, I'm going to get the context from John chapter 8. We're going to be coming out of the Message Bible. John chapter 8, it begins with Jesus in the temple. And while he's in the temple doing his Jesus thing, he's talking. He is presented with a case of a woman who has been caught in adultery. After Jesus very skillfully and quietly dealt with her wicked accusers and then sent this woman away, listen, without any condemnation, he then turns back to the crowd and begins to talk. We pick up right there at verse 12. In the Message Bible, verse 12, Jesus once again addressed them. I am the world's light. No one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. The Pharisees objected. All we have is your word on this. We, meet, we need more than that to go on, than this to go on. Jesus replied, 
You're right, you only have my word. But you can depend on it being true. I know where I've come from and where I go next. You don't know where you're from or where I'm headed. Where You don't know where I'm from or where I'm headed. You decide according to what you see and touch. I don't make judgments like that. Jesus points out here that he is operating on a spiritual level higher than theirs. He's saying, I don't make judgments about what I can see and touch. I don't make judgments about what's going on in the world around me. I make my judge based on judgments based on different criteria than you. The same mode of operation applies to a believer who is living by the spirit of God. Such a believer, a person who's living by the spirit of God, their words, their actions, their decisions, all of those things are in response to or stem from God. Because they're led by the spirit. Their life isn't a series of knee-jerk reactions to situations and circumstances. Have you ever known somebody like that? All you need to do is see their situation, and you could probably judge their response. If things are good with them, they're probably nice. If things are not so good with them, you might want to stay away. Hey, get this. If things are good with them, you can't find them. When they need you to break them off a little something, something, no. They punch you down. They'll message you through Facebook. They'll text you on your phone. Oh, they'll be at your door. You ain't come to see me since the last time you wanted something. When you are led by the spirit of God, your life isn't a series of knee jerk reactions based on your situations or circumstances. You have made the decision that you're going to give the Holy Spirit full control. And once you give him full control, that means that you are operating with the mind of Christ continually. So your every thought, your every movement is in response to God's voice. If you want to operate like that, though, you can't be a fence straddler. If you want to operate in the fullness of God, you can't, you can't straddle the fence. You have to be all in with God. So the time has come for you to decide. John 8, 15, you decide according to what you can see and touch. I don't make decisions like that. But even if I did, my judgment would, would be true because I wouldn't make it out of the narrowness of my experience, but in the largeness of the one who sent me the father. That fulfills the conditions set down in God's law that you can count on the testimony of two witnesses. And that is what you have. You have my word and you have the word of the father who sent me. They said, where is this so-called father of yours? Jesus said, you are looking right at me and you don't see me. How do you expect to see the father? If you knew me, you would at the same time know the father. This mirrors a statement that Jesus gave to Philip. In John 14, listen to this in the voice translation of the Bible, verses 8 and 9. Philip says, Lord, all I'm asking is that you show us the Father. Jesus said to Philip, have I lived with you all this time and you still don't know who I am? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. How can you keep asking me? To see the father. Jesus said the same thing to these Pharisees over in John 8. Completing John 8, starting back with verse 19, they said, where is this so-called father of yours? Jesus said, you're looking right at me and you don't see me. How do you expect to see the father if you know, if you know me, you would at the same time know the father? He gave this speech in the treasury while teaching in the temple. 
No one arrested him because his time wasn't yet up. Then he went over the same ground again. I'm leaving and you're going to look for me, but you're missing God in this and headed for a dead end. There is no way you can come with me. The Jews said, so is he going to kill himself? Is that what he means? You can't come with me. Jesus said, you're tied down to the mundane. I am in touch. I'm in touch with what is beyond your horizons. You live in terms of what you see and touch. I'm living on other terms. Once again, he said the same thing. He said, you live by what you see and touch. I'm living on other terms. I want to bring your focus, though, to this other statement that he drags in here. He says, you're tied down to the mundane. Believers, and I say believers, of course, that's a broad brush statement. I don't want to put anybody in a bucket they don't belong in, but I think this is the case for many, if not most. Believers live below the standard God has for them because they insist on remaining tied down to the mundane. What is this mundane? What does it, let's look at that word, because when we think about mundane, I want you to realize this. Mundane is earthly. Go ahead, bring that image. It is material. It is worldly. It is fleshly. And you know good and well we've hit on the flesh enough over the past couple sessions. It is temporal. It is non-spiritual. It is ordinary. Doggone it, as believers, we love to stick out our chest and say, as a child of God, I am blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You know what? God wants that to be true, but we fall short of that. Why? Because we insist on hanging on to the mundane. We refuse to let go of the mundane. Yeah, we want to be the head and not the tail. We want to be above and not beneath. Guess what? God wants you to be that too. But we short. Why? Because we refuse to let go of the mundane. The Bible says we can be the lender and not the borrower. And guess what? Our God wants that to be the case. He wants us to be on top. But you know what? We fall short because we refuse to let go of the mundane. I realize the Bible says we are more than conquerors. Yeah, we are victorious in him. He can supply all according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He can do all that stuff. But guess what? In order for that to be fulfilled, we have to let go of the mundane. We have to let go of the earthly, let go of the material, let go of seeking worldly stuff, let go of trying to be so fleshly because we want to be popular instead of be more like God. We got to let go of what's temporal. Stop looking at what's right in front of you. It's not that you don't observe things. We all got eyes. We got ears to hear. God gave you senses for a reason, but he never expected what you see to be your guiding force. Stop looking at what's temporal and let go of the mundane. We got to stop being non-spiritual. The Bible say we can pray for the sick and they shall recover. Well, you know, baby, I don't know. You might just want to go ahead and take the medication. I'm not saying don't take your medication. God has blessed people with the intelligence to create medications that can help your body. But in all that you do, you keep your hope and health in God. Keep your healing hope in God. It's God who is your healer. We got to realize that there is a spiritual realm. You have a helper that's the Holy Spirit. 
You don't know what to pray for. You know what my Bible tells me? You got someone that can pray for you with unctions that you may not be able to understand with your normal, natural human mind. But he speaks to God one on one. He tells God things that you don't even know going on with you. Why? Because he's on the inside. You got to realize that in order to be everything God called you to be, you got to let go of the mundane. You cannot experience the fullness of God while giving him just a piece of you. God needs it all. He wants it all. You know what we do? We as believers, we say things like our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Our our. Our body, that's that's the spiritual house. Guess what, though? If this is your spiritual house, the spirit of God should be the soul, full fledged resident. Your inner man, hey, shouldn't have a whole bunch of company. There shouldn't always be a picnic. There shouldn't always be a crowd. God, his spirit should be the full fledged resident in you. You need to stop putting my God in the guest house. Grant the spirit of God full access. Give him all the keys. I know we digital these days. Give him all your passwords. Let Alexa talk to him. Make sure that God has full reign of everything in your house. Stop putting God in the guest house. You know, I'm a little country, so stop putting God on a cot in the shed out back. Now, let me go ahead and come at you like the adult that you are. Stop treating God like a booty call. Yeah. We, 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 we quick. We quick to get in our spiritual bag and reach out to God when we want or we need something. And then we ghost him when we done. Hey, hey, God, thank you for your time. Go ahead and you can exit. Lock the door behind you when you leave. And by the way, be quiet because my neighbors are sleeping. Stop treating God like that. Reaching out to him when you need something and you can't stand him or don't want to be near him or don't want to be his disciple once he gives you your quote unquote blessing. You're using him. You treat him like a booty call. Now, God ain't stupid. That's grace. That's mercy. That's giving you an opportunity. But don't take God for a fool. At some point in time, you got to get real with this. Kick that leg over on the other side of the fence. Stop trying to straddle it and put both feet in God. Why we treat God that way? There is no way. We should be treating God like something that we put in the back, in the in the shed, under the tree, on a cot. God should be the sole, full-fledged resident in you. When you treat God like that, something that you can just throw away, something of no value, that is very unbecoming of a believer. And it does not exemplify someone who has decided for God to be their all. But that's the kind of thing you do when you what? When you want to hold on to the mundane. When you believe that God is the God the Bible says he is, but your flesh say, yeah, but we know we also enjoy this. As long as you hold on to the mundane. And you refuse to let it go, 
You know what that is? That's you trying to straddle the fence. And once again, God is not a fence straddling God. You are either in or you're out. Say this with me. It's time for me to decide. Continue with John chapter 8. Picking up from the back end of verse 23. Jesus said, you're tied down to the mundane. I'm in touch with what is beyond your horizons. You live in terms of what you see and touch. I'm living in other terms. I told you that you were missing God in all this. You're at a dead end. If you won't believe I am who I say I am, you're at dead. You're at the dead end of sins. You're missing God in your lives. You're missing God in your lives, loved ones. You know how we had on that image that you can't experience the fullness of God while at the same time only giving him a piece of you? When it says you're missing God in your lives, the reason why this thing is so sneaky, this third, this third quadrant, this third extreme, is because you might not know you're missing God in your life. Your business might be successful. Your family might be doing good. You might be in good health. Some got laid off, but you worked through the whole pandemic. Things that just are good for you. So good that you don't even know that you're missing God in your life. And good to get this. You may recognize that there is some aspects of God in your life. But baby, it don't compare to the fullness of God you can be experiencing. You're missing out on his fullness in your life. You're missing God in your lives. They said to him, just who are you anyway? I have so many things to say that concern you, judgments to make that affect you. But if you don't accept the trustworthiness of the one who commanded my words and acts, none of it matters. That is, you are questioning not me, but the one who sent me. Now, let's go through a series of these verses. We're going to read straight through. No stopping for me. Because it's a lot. I'm telling you, hold on. But we're going to get there. Verse 27, let's run. They, they still didn't get it, didn't realize that he was referring to the father. So Jesus tried again. When you raise up the son of man, then you will know who I am, that I'm not making this up, but speaking only what the father taught me. The one who sent me stays with me. He doesn't abandon me. He sees how much joy I take in pleasing him. When he put in these terms, when he put it in these terms, many people decided to believe. Then Jesus turned to the Jews who claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you. You are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourself the truth and the truth will free you. King James said it's the truth of what will set you free and make you free, depending on which one you're reading. Surprise, they said, but we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say the truth will free you? Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead end life and is, in fact, a slave. A slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. The son, though, has an established position, the run of the house. So if the son sets you free, you are free through and through. 
I know you are Abraham's descendants, but I also know that you are trying to kill me because my message hasn't yet penetrated your thick skulls. I'm talking about things I have seen while keeping company with the father and you just go on doing what you have heard from your father. You are indignant. Our father is Abraham. And yet you are trying to kill me, a man who has spoken to you the truth he got straight from God. Abraham never did that sort of thing. You persist in repeating the works of your father. They said, we're not bastards. You have, a, you, you have a legitimate father, the one and only God. We have a legitimate father, the one and only God. If, you, if God was your father, Jesus said, you would love me, for I came from God and arrived here. I don't come down on my own. He sent me. Why can't you understand one word I say? Here is why you can't handle it. Thank you for your patience. Verse 44. Read those first words for me. Jesus says, you're from your father, the devil. Verse 44, Jesus says, you're from your father, the devil, and all you want to do is please him. I told you I had a question for you, which brings us to the question of the day. Loved ones, who's your daddy? Look at Look at your neighbor and say, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? God your daddy? Or is the devil your daddy? Who's your daddy? Jesus told them, folks, he say, I'm from the father. I'm from the true God. You don't get what I'm talking about. You don't feel me. Because the devil, your daddy. Come on, fence straddler. Who's your daddy? Gentlemen, you can't be the son of both. My ladies, you cannot be the daughter of both. You got to choose. Who is your daddy? Now, when it comes to choosing your daddy or your father, let me show you something. I want you to say this with me. Ready? Put your eyes on the monitor. Because I have a statement for you about choosing your father. Ready? Read. Naturally, you did not get to choose your father, but spiritually, the choice is yours. From a biological standpoint, you ain't get to pick your daddy. I mean, there's a period of time when, you know, however it transpired, good or bad, where the person that's your mama and the person that your, that's your daddy got together some kind of way. And they didn't call you in to get your input. There was no mass meeting where they gave you a list of mamas and a list of daddies, and then you decided you wanted to pick your best, best combination. Biologically speaking, you didn't, get to pick, you didn't get to pick your daddy. You were the result of the exchange, but you weren't there to provide input to the exchange. You didn't get to pick your, your biological daddy, but you can pick your spiritual one, though. That choice is 100% yours. So what is your choice going to be? Because there is no fence straddling with God. Now, I know what you can, you can, you can sit here and you can snow me. You can look me in my eye and you can tell me, Pastor, I choose God. You can look at anybody in here and say you choose God and they can take you as your word. But here's the reality of it is the reality is this. 
The spirit that guides you confirms your selection. You can bump your gums all you want. Look, when 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 the choir singing, you can bust one of these. You can do all the moves you want. You can dance. You can run around the aisle. Hey, you can hit it with a it's tight, but it's right. It's hard, but it's God. You can spit them all out. It's it, it's so many of them that you, you you if you've been in church any length of time, you've seen a lot of people play the role. But if you observe them close enough. The spirit that leads them. Confirms their selection. If God were your selection, then your life will be in response to being led by his spirit. Here's what Paul says. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, NIV. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. So family, who's your daddy? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if God were your daddy, the things that manifest in your life, the items that manifest in your vicinity, those items would testify of him or testify of God. Look at Matthew chapter 11 real quick. NIV Bible verses one through five, because Jesus. One time was asked by John the Baptist, John the Baptist's disciples. He was asked, hey. Are you the Jesus person? Are you the Messiah that that, you know, we should be looking for? Because, you know, John was locked up in jail. Herod, I think Herod was the one who put the clink clink and lock him up. But look at starting in verse one. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect somebody else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, in Luke 4, he, he says something similar. After he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came on him. He said, he, they said he picked up the book and read, the Spirit of God is upon me, for he has anointed me to, to, to preach the gospel to the poor, or proclaim, you, you get what I'm saying. So he, he's saying to John, it's, it's written in the book. I want you to notice something. Verse five. Go back to verse four for me. Jesus tells them, go back and report to John what you hear and see. John asked Jesus a simple yes or no question. And this man already in jail. He needs succinct answers. But what does Jesus do? Go back and tell him. Jesus didn't give him a simple yes or no response. He sent those boys back to say, I want you to tell John what you see and what you hear. In other words, I want you to allow what I have done, what is manifesting around me to speak on my behalf. I have a daddy who is God and the proof is not in what I say. The proof is that the things around me that manifest testify of him. He didn't give him a yes or no answer. Jesus said, go and tell this man what you see, the lame the, the people with sight, all those people are getting healed and cleansed. And let that be his answer. Yes, 
Guess what? I thought about this because there's an old gospel song. An old gospel song. And now, when I say old gospel song, I really do mean an old gospel song. I don't talk about like, not like 1912, but you know, an old gospel song. And they make so many remakes and stuff today, so I, I don't know if they've remade this or, or mixed it in or, or, or whatever they do these days to, 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 to make their, their, their music try to sound original. Every time my, my children come, Daddy, that song is by so-and-so. Man, that song was made back in 1967. That rascal wasn't even born yet. He's trying to take ownership of something. Yeah, he put a little groovy mix in it, but that ain't his or hers. But when we talk about the way Jesus responded, the way he responded to, to John the Baptist, there's an old gospel song, and you got to go way back to know it, unless it's been remixed or something like that. I'm talking about you got to go way back to the time of the Wando church. I'm talking to church that got Wando. One way in, one way out. And it ain't got no foyer in the church. When you open the door and you cross that threshold, you in the church. And it ain't got but one aisle. And that aisle goes straight to the altar. Ain't no air condition. Ain't no heat. In the summertime, everybody kind of dress a little bit more loose, and they got that paper fan with that wood stick, and they waving it around. And in the wintertime, they just dress a little bit warmer. And if you're highfalutin, my, that's what they say back home, you know, when they think you came up a little bit. Oh, if you're highfalutin, then you had maybe a couple chairs behind the pastor for the choir to sit. And oh, my God, you got... Jesus with his arm stretched over the baptismal pool. That's if you had a little money, if the team one and team two was giving their dues right. You feel me what I'm saying? But, but in order to know this song, you got to go back, way back to, the, to them days, to the Wando church, to old, this it's an old gospel song talking about how Jesus responded to John. The gospel song says this. It says, it only has three verses, but they comprise these kind of words. It says, made a work I've done. Speak for me. May the life that I've lived speak for me. May the service I give. You got it though. We coming there. May the service that I give speak for me. When I'm resting in my grave, I want that all to speak for me. It says, when I'm standing before my God, I want to hear him say, well done. May the work I've done speak for me. The major premise or the prime thread or a major message in that song is that, look, when it's all said and done and you lay my efforts on the ground and you review everything that I've done. I want all of my efforts to be a good testimony of me as a believer. In other words, let the record show I didn't straddle the fence, that I chose God. Let the work that I've done speak for me. Jesus said, you go back and report to John and you let the work that I've done speak for me. I don't have to give him a yes or a no. If he's in the spirit, like I think he is, he will know for assurance, I am the Messiah. Why? Because the things that I do testify of my God. Jesus tell this man, let the work I've done speak for me. In John chapter 14, Jesus provides a very comparable response to Philip. Now we've read verse eight and nine, but this time we're going to go through verse 11. Philip said, Lord, all I'm asking is that you show us the father. Jesus said to Philip, I have lived with you. Have I lived with you? I have lived with you all this time and you still don't know who I am. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. How can you keep asking to see the father? Don't you believe me when I say I abide in the father and the father dwells in me? I'm not making this up as I go along. The Father has given me these truths 
that I have been speaking to you and he empowers all my actions. Accept all these truths. Truths. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If you have trouble believing based on my words, and I throw in there, though, Philip, believe because of the things I have done. If my words aren't good enough for you, boy, let the works I've done speak for me. Jesus is once again using the things that manifest around him as evidence of his God connection. So I say again, if God is really your daddy, the items that manifest around you would testify of him. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 17 through 18 in the voice. Because moreover, when God is your father, his goodness produces good fruit in you. Remember, Jesus said these words, people in their lives are like trees. Good trees bear beautiful, tasty fruit, but bad trees bear ugly, bitter fruit. A good tree cannot bear ugly, bitter fruit, nor can a bad tree bear fruit that is beautiful and tasty. I'm going to take you back to a point where we began part of this series, actually a little bit of the series before, but I told you that we were going to come back here. There is a tree, family, that we want you to realize that is reflective of your life. Jesus said a good tree provides good fruit. A bad tree, bad fruit. I don't need to know what kind of tree you are. I just need to look at your fruit. You can tell me all day that you're good, but when you got that rotten unforgiveness hanging off your branches, you know how they say, don't you try to, don't you try to blow that my way. Don't treat me like I'm about to say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Bobo the fool. Look at this image. You've seen it before. I told you we'd come back here. But the fruit, loved ones, defines the tree. The Jesus tree or the good tree, hey, God's your daddy. The bad tree, we call it the non-Jesus tree, the devil, or hey, some other spirit or some other thing, that's your daddy. There is no fence straddling with God. I'm going to tell you, you already know, I'm one-sided. I want your decision to be on the side of God. And given that that's what I want you to do, we're not going to give any more discussion to the bad tree side. Just know that no matter what comes out of your mouth, your fruit really says who your daddy is. But look at this good side. This is the fruit of the spirit that comes out of the book of Galatians. Let's look at it in the passion really quick and in the, in the message real quick. Starting from the passion. You will notice this image is taken from this translation. Those words, with the exception of forgiveness, which comes out of all of this anyway, right there, there it is. To keep this brisk, I'm going to anchor myself here. We're going to read that, and I'm going to give you some quick points. But I always want you to go back and get more out of it yourself. Here we go. The Passion Translation. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its various expressions. So divine love has all these expressions. Joy that overflows. When God is living in you, you have joy that overflows. That means that you have so much joy that when someone comes in your vicinity, your joy can get on them. Peace that subdues. I love that one. Peace that can subdue you if you having an issue, but also peace that can subdue a, subdue a situation. There will be times where people, according to the outside eye, they should be depressed. They should be in tears. They should be losing their mind. 
And then you step into the room and then you come into their presence. All of a sudden, there is a calm. There is a peace. Why? Because of who you're working with and who's yours and who's on the inside of you. That's the fruit of the spirit. Patience that endures. That's the stamina to let patience have her perfect work. So that you can be full and complete, wanting nothing. Kindness in action. That's kindness that's not just in words, but in deeds too. Kindness that makes an impact. It's kindness that you don't just see a family with a need. You actually get off your duff and do something about it. Kindness in action, a life full of virtue. That means you have a life of habit habitually having good moral character. Faith that prevails. That means a faith that can stand against adversity, stand against trial. It don't matter what's coming your way. Once the wind stops and everything settles, you're going to still be standing. Why? Because you have faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart. That means you have gentleness and compassion towards others. You have strength of spirit. You have a spirit that's strong enough to keep your flesh in check. The message Bible. But what happens when you live God's way? He brings gifts into your lives, much the way fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others. Mm, leave that one right there. Exuberance for life. Being cheerful no matter what life is thrown your way. Waking up in the morning saying, thank you, God, no matter what your bank account looks like, no matter what the aches and pains in your body, no matter what people are saying about you, no matter what fails you, failures you had yesterday, you have exuberance for life because God has given you life. And you realize that if God has given you one more moment, one more day, one more breath, he's got something for you to do. And God, I want to get that done. You have an exuberance for life. The way life has treated you does not reflect, get this, the way you treat your life. I'm going to make that a Smith. That's fresh off the block. Write that down, baby. I don't know. What did I say? Say it for me. Whoa. The way that life has treated you is not the way you should treat your life. But you have you have exuberance for life, serenity, not just peace, but calmness of mind. There's 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 not just peace within you, but in your area. There is serenity. Willingness to stick with things, not so quick to give up on what God called you to do. Especially when it's hard. Not so quick to, to, to give up. You stick with things. You have compassion. That means compassion for other people. Ooh, look at this one. A conviction that basic holiness permeates things and people. Now let's chat on that real quick. That means that you are willing to assume the best of people. You are not one of those persons or going to continue to be one of those persons or with the spirit of God. You won't be those that kind of person who judges somebody on face value or stereotypically say, I don't trust nobody because of their skin color, because of who they who, who they look like, because of what somebody else did to you previously. You give a person the benefit of the doubt that just like you, that person might be good, too. That's a pet peeve of mine. It's a pet peeve of mine when somebody, especially a believer, judges another believer of doing something before they've even done it, of something that the believer who's making the false assumption wouldn't do themselves. What makes you holier? Why do you assume first that that person would do a bad thing? When you know you wouldn't do it. 
Oh, oh, you're, 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 you're holier than they are. Oh, you have more, more God in you than they do. When you have the spirit of God in you, I'm not saying we ignore the obvious. I'm not saying you put your children in danger. I'm not saying you put yourself in danger. But when God's in you, when you meet a person, you have a feeling or a hope that there is just some basic goodness that permeates that person. I'm not going to condemn them at first glance. A lot of times, if you've, if you've been in church a while, you know this is true. There are times that people will walk through those doors. Sometimes, not just for the first time, but for the first time in a long time. And because you look them down a certain way, you hold your nose up a certain way, you look at the way they're trying to pull that skirt down, not understand that's all they got, and they chose to still come to see God anyway. You put your uppity behind in the way of what God wants to do because you refuse to believe that a basic holiness can permeate things and people. But when the, when the spirit of God in you, you, you're, you're, you, you believe that a com, you have a conviction that basic holiness permeates, permeates things and people. Loyal commitments. You get yourself involved with loyal commitments. You stay involved. And guess what? You stay committed to the things you committed to. Right. I'm not saying you committed to something that you shouldn't have committed to, but you stick with your commitments. You stay loyal and you don't just stop because somebody hurt your feelings. Because they didn't let you do your part. Because they didn't agree with you. You grow up. And you stay loyal to your commitment. You don't see the need to force your way through life. In other words, you're not looking to promote yourself in an ungodly manner. You don't have to scheme your way through life. And this last one, you marshal and direct your energies wisely meaning you're able to exercise self-control. When God is your father, what you do and what comes out of you, your fruits on your tree, will testify of him. Once again, to give us a wrap-up, let's bring this to a close. John 8, verses 43 to 47, Jesus said, Why can't you understand one word I say? Here's why you can't handle it. You're from your father the devil, and all you want to do is please him. He was a killer from the very start. He couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a thread of truth in him. When the liar speaks, he makes it up of his lying nature and fills the world with his lies. I arrive on the scene, tell you the plain truth, and you refuse to have a thing to do with me. Can any one of you convict me of a single missing, misleading word, a single sinful act? But if I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone on God's side listens to God's words. This is why you're not listening. Read that last part with me. Because you're not on God's side. You got to pick a side. Straddling the fence just won't do. The time has come right now for you to stop straddling the fence, family, and pick a side, who is your daddy going to be? The choice is yours. As Joshua expressed in Joshua 24, verses 14 through 15, NIV, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods, of your, the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Like Joshua family, I choose God. I choose to put two feet firmly on both sides of that fence that say God. 
what are you going to do? I hope that you choose God, too. My question, just like Elijah, just basically like Joshua, who your daddy going to be? You got to choose. And you got to choose now. And you know how we define now. We don't define now as, as, as today. When you say now, that means you don't want another second to pass by. So whatever needs to happen in your heart to get that to be the case, do it now. Say this with me. Straddling the fence is not something that God approves of. Starting today, starting right now, I will not be a fence Straddler. Now here's the other part. Don't say this if you don't mean it. Starting now, I choose to put two feet in God and walk away from that fence. I love you so much. Pray. Oh God, I thank you so much for each and every person. I thank you that everybody here has a heart to please you. We understand sometimes life gets a little confusing, things get a little foggy, things don't go our way. Sometimes we, we may get a little off balance, but our desire is to be firmly rooted in you. I pray that you give each person the wisdom to stay firmly rooted in you, the desire to be your disciple and get in your word and be rooted in you to have ministering angels come in their path if necessary to help them be rooted and grounded in you. Straddling the fence is easy because it's the little things that we feed our flesh and get involved with in worldly things that can get us to think we are somewhere in God, but really, God, we're kind of drifting away from you. We walk away from those things now. We put ourselves completely in your hands. You are the sole resident in our house. We give the Holy Spirit full control. We want to operate with the mind of Christ continually. I thank you that you are a God who is gracious enough to forgive us also when we mess up. But God, we want our mistakes to be just that, mistakes. We don't want to be doing things on purpose. Thank you for being who you are, God, who's always there for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.